Cheers. Test. Good morning. It is January 28th, 2024, and this is the Paul Green Comedy Podcast, a podcast by a dreamer for dreamers. I hope all of you out there are doing fantastic this Sunday. It is NFC AFC Championship Day. I am rooting for the Lions, not because I have anything to do with Detroit or have ever cared about the team, but only because whenever I don't have a dog in the fight, a.k.a. my Arizona Cardinals, I always cheer for the underdog. I always cheer for whatever team has n- never won a Super Bowl before. And unfortunately, all of those teams have been eliminated except for the Detroit Lions. And so I would love it if the Detroit Lions win. Wait. They've never won, right? Shoot, I forgot who the other team is. I can only think of three of them. 49ers, Lions, Ravens. Who are the Ravens playing? Who would the other... Oh, the Chiefs, of course. Yeah, okay. So, the Lions. Let's go Lions. So, at the start of the uh, playoffs this year, there were like five teams in it who had never won, I think. Browns, Texans, uh... Lions, of course. Browns, Texans, Lions. Uh, I can't think of the other ones right now. There was like two more. Oh, the Bills. So maybe it was those four. Maybe there was a fifth. Or maybe it was just those four. Browns, Bills, Lions, Texans. And then I've just had to watch as they all got picked off one by one, except for the Detroit Lions. And I would love it for that city. I always love it when the underdog wins. I don't know what that is. You know? That is kind of an interesting phenomenon, though, is I feel like as human beings, we get um, there's a point where we kind of want the successful people to fail, I think. Do you agree with that? I feel like we we like to cheer for people when they're the underdog, but then once they are sort of the establishment or the winner, then we just love it when they fall and we want the next underdog to win. That is kind of interesting. Um, I definitely feel that. Like, you know, I've been rooting against the Patriots for <laughs> for like 15 years, even though I really liked the team. And I thought, see, Tom Brady used to be the underdog. That's what's so funny is... When Tom Brady was the underdog, you know, he was this in the sixth round or the seventh round. Nobody cared about that kid. Nobody wanted to pick him. He barely snuck his way into the NFL to begin with and then ends up getting a getting the starting gig when Drew Bledsoe went down with an injury and then he just never let it go. And then he goes to the Super Bowl when he was, I think, his second year, maybe his third year. And was playing against Kurt Warner, who had won two years prior and 
you know, the greatest show on turf and all that stuff. And so at that point in time, Tom Brady was the underdog. And boom, he wins, but then creates this dynasty in New England. And then got to a point where it's like, all right, I, I want Tom Brady to lose now. Now I want the underdogs. I would have loved it if the Atlanta Falcons had won that Super Bowl because that city had never won before. And that was really heartbreaking. Obviously, my Arizona Cardinals in 2008 would have loved if they won instead of the Steelers because the Steelers have, um, they're in the top in terms of Super Bowls won. They're up there with like the 49ers. I don't remember what the exact number is, five or six in franchise history. So that is an interesting phenomenon. And now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if that has something to do with the fact that the more that I put myself out there, the more that I get uh, trollers and haters and people trying to tell me to quit. And and I'm going, oh, I wonder if they now view me as a, the winner or, a, you know, whatever, which is funny because, you know, I don't really... It's like, I'm going for this dream. I haven't gotten anywhere close to where I feel I would need to be to be considered an actual, like, successful uh, comedian by any stretch of the imagination. And I'm not saying that to be disparaging to myself. I'm very grateful for where I'm at and the opportunities that I've had. But I also have to just be very realistic and go, well, uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not able to make a living at this yet. It's so funny because so many of you know the the common uh, the, the common insult is like, "Don't quit your day job." It's like, yeah, I haven't. <laughs> but that would be you know maybe someday, maybe someday. So yeah, I like rooting for the underdog when it's when it's not my team. And honestly, my team is almost always the underdog anyway, because I'm an Arizona Arizona Cardinals fan. So, anyway, um, but something to think about, you know, when you're going for dreams, is what what is it that you're looking to achieve? What does that look like? And once you get it. Is it going to be the type of thing to where you're going to need to prepare yourself to have people root against you? You know, everybody may be on your team while you're the up and coming or, you know, when you're going for it and you're striving. But when you actually get something big, uh, there might be a shift. You know, you might find out who your real friends are. Um, There might be some jealousy. There might be some resentment and there might be some, oh, well, who do they think they are now that they have this big thing? But that's all conjecture. I don't know. I don't know. That's just where my mind is going here on a Sunday morning. So what's going on with me? Last night, I headlined a show, a uh, small show in a restaurant. Um, It's really, really well done. It's produced by my first ever stand-up comedy mentor, Mr. Tony Visick, and still grateful that he's booking gigs for me. I've known him for, gosh, maybe almost 10 years now. Uh, Actually, probably exactly 10 years. I think I started taking classes with him in maybe January or February of 2014. Wow, that's coming up on a decade. Oh, How fast it all goes. 
so yeah, I uh, it, it it was a really fun gig. It was at this Italian restaurant, and this Italian restaurant they have this downstairs basement area that they do um, like special events in, and so they do this dinner and a show um, package, and it pretty much sells out now. It's been it's well established, and people love it. They come out and buy dinner, and then get tickets to the show. And Tony's been booking it. Um, he's been booking a long time because I still remember when I was still very brand new to comedy, um, and was working with Tony. I was taking his classes and then he started booking me on gigs to get me experience. Even though I was newer, he was challenging me and giving me opportunities to perform that were a little bit, you know, a little bit over my skis a little bit, you know? just to start, you know, getting me uh, those opportunities. So I remember him booking me at Vito's. Gosh, it would have been, well, would have been almost 10 years ago, maybe close to nine years ago. And I remember showing up and I was so nervous. And he said, hey, I want you to do 15 minutes. And for some reason, that just terrified me. I hadn't really done that much comedy before. I'd only been doing like five-minute sets, three-minute sets. And um, he goes, yeah, I want you to do 15. And just to cause me to stretch. And man. And then last night, I was headlining that very gig. And I did 30 minutes, much as twice as much. <laughs> So, it was really good. The crowd was really, really fun. I had two friends of mine there, which was really cool. I appreciated so much that they came out. And lifelong friend. Well, not lifelong. I met him in my early 20s. And then we ended up becoming roommates. He was my first roommate when I first moved out of my house. Um, when I was maybe 23 or 24. Um and uh yeah then we were roommates for maybe four or five years and then he got married um to a woman who actually was a friend of all of ours so we used to always hang out with her and kind of part of the friend group but she was always off to college and doing other things but anytime she would come in town she would call us up and then we'd all go hang out we'd all go do jam sessions and we were good friends. And then uh, just one day, uh, she had been away again at college or doing something. And she was back in town and hit us up. Next thing they know, they're like, uh-oh, this seems to be a little bit more than a uh, platonic hangout friendship. And then, you know, they were married very shortly after that. And now they've been married for, got to be 14 or 15 years. So, anyway, it was really great to see them and catch up with them. And, you know, I think I take it for granted just how blessed I am to have these lifelong friends who still come into my life from time to time. You know, everybody's busy. They all got families and jobs and and all of that. But whenever we get a chance, even if we haven't seen each other for years, we can just sit down and just talk 
for hours. Um, about two years ago when I was in town, I, I hadn't talked to either of them in literally years, probably four, five, six years, maybe even longer. It had been years and years and years and years. And I, I was in town. This is when I was still living in LA, but I was out here in Arizona visiting for a gig. And I was like, man, I just want to see how they're doing. I'm not going to call them. I'm not going to text them. I'm just going to sh- show up at their house. <laughs> so I just showed up, knocked on their door and they were home. And then we just ended up hanging out and talking for like four or five hours. We ended up just getting dinner, ordering pizza so we could keep talking. Uh, he had some projects to do. So I just helped him out. We like installed like a storage rack in his garage and so fun. So great to see them. And yeah, so they, uh, they came to the show last night and then we were able to hang out and actually eat, get some pizza again at Vito's nonetheless and catch up. And I'll tell you, I am as much as I have dreams and delusions of grandeur and desire for fame and wild success as a stand-up comedian, and I do have those dreams, and I don't apologize for them. It is what I'm going for. I really do have that desire to to blow up and to be successful and to have that level of fame that will provide the opportunities to to tour and to, well, quit my day job. And But at the end of the day, I am fully aware and fully conscious that none of that, the glam and the fame, will bring any more happiness to me. And the thing that will always bring me the most happiness, joy, and fulfillment is those relationships and those friendships with people who we just love each other, we don't want anything from each other. We are just glad when we have an opportunity to sit down and just catch up and talk about life and talk about what's going on. And there's no drama and there's no, oh, well, how come you haven't called me? Oh, well, you know, it's just we give each other a hug and then we just sit down and we laugh and we talk about what's going on. And we're in totally different stages of life like there's zero comparison to what's going on in their lives with mine it's like they're married I think with four kids I don't even know how many kids they have that that's how often I stay in touch with them and uh you know and they're doing the family thing and he works hard and she works hard and she's like a fitness instructor and he's in construction and and they're and and they're just living the the family life and here I am this feral single living with my dad <laughs> doing podcasts about going for dreams and yet none of that matters we just are always happy to sue each other and I have a handful of friends like that and that to me is really what gives life its depth and its fulfillment and I still love what I'm pursuing and I still have big dreams and big hopes and I'm doing all of all that I can to be dedicated to that dream and to make the necessary sacrifices and commitment and all of that but I am careful to know that uh, none of that is going to be more happy if I can't sit down and hang out with my 
with my good buddies, uh, Chris and Megan and catch up for an hour over some pizza about what's going on in life. So I always keep that perspective. All right, my friends, happy Sunday. Happy January 28th, episode 60. Can you believe that? 60 straight episodes, everybody. Two months of the Paul Green Comedy Podcast. Still going strong. Still loving being able to check in with you every day. I hope you're all out there following your dreams, finding joy while you're doing it, and remembering what brings depth and meaning to everything. And to me, that is having relationships with good people who uh, you can just sit down and have a carefree conversation about life over pizza. And that, to me, my friends, is a dream in and of itself. All right, all you beautiful people, I love you all so much. I hope you're doing well, and I will check in with you tomorrow.